Well, folks, we had a little cold water poured on the Gonzaga to the Big 12 rumors, but we kind of expected that. After all, the vocal minority is always the loudest. We're going to break that all down right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Lockdown Zags Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Lockdown Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, folks, we got some NBA Zags to discuss, some preseason debuts. We got some WNBA Zags to discuss, by which I, of course, mean Courtney Vandersloot. We got all that to close out the show. We're also going to have a promised conversation about Mark Few, the future of Gonzaga. I know that there are mostly Big 12 fans who are concerned that when Mark Few leaves Gonzaga, there's going to be some kind of big drop-off in performance. We're going to explain why that is not looking like it's going to be the case. But first, we're going to lead off today's show with the report that came out not long after the report from Seth Davis and Brett McMurphy of the Messenger and Action Network, respectively, kind of reigniting these Gonzaga to the Big 12 rumors. We, of course, talked about that at length on Tuesday's episode of the podcast, talked about uh, Seth's reporting about Brett Yormark wanting Gonzaga in the conference as soon as 2024, the hope that they could get this done in, as soon as two weeks. And we kind of discussed the logical challenges, the logistical issues that might come across trying to get something done in that short period of time. There's still some some financial issues and, and whatnot, but obviously it was very exciting to hear that Commissioner Yormark was kind of is really, really, really excited about trying to get Gonzaga into the conference. And we focused a lot on that on Tuesday's episode. But as it so often happens with these kind of stories, there was a report shortly afterwards, a lot of it from Matt Norlander at CBS Sports on Twitter, uh, using some some different sources than the sources certainly that that Seth Davis and Brett McMurphy were working with uh, in their conversations and their articles that kind kind of subdued the excitement about this, made it seem like it's maybe not as imminent, not as likely to happen right away as as previously reported. And I want to be clear, we're going to talk about what Norlander said. We're going to talk about uh, the sources that he had, some of the direct quotes and all of that. But I want to say this, because I think this is an important part of how these conversations go. And for those of you who are closely following the Pac-12's demise and the reporting ahead of time about Colorado, the reporting ahead of time about the corner schools, about Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, about Stanford and Cal, about Oregon State and Washington State, What you noticed is that certain reporters have certain sources that are indicating different things. And I think it's important to acknowledge a a bit about the media landscape without criticizing reporters, without criticizing specific sources, because what how this works effectively is that people people want to get their message out. There are people in the Big 12 whose message is that they want Gonzaga in the conference. They want Gonzaga in the conference right now. They want Gonzaga in 2024-25. Those people, when leaking stuff to sources like Seth Davis, like Brett McMurphy, are putting the positive spin on it. They're saying, this is why we want Gonzaga. We want them now. 
We want them because of this data we got from their consulting firm that shows that they are, you know, two and a half times more likely. Uh, people watch them two and a half more times than they watch regular season Big 12 games. We want them because they're fifth in TV power behind the, the Blue Blood schools. You know, we want them now because they're willing to take a little bit less money. Like there is a very intentional leak happening. And we say sources close to Brett Yormark. It's possible that Brett Yormark is the source. I don't know. I'm not trying to, to uh, burn a source for Seth Davis or Brett McMurphy. But if it's not Yormark, it is somebody very close to him. And he is controlling that messaging. Brett Yormark wants Gonzaga in the Big 12. He has not hidden that. That is not a secret. He has made that very publicly clear. But when having these negotiations, he is also making sure that his side of that messaging is getting leaked to people who will report it. Meanwhile, there are people in the Big 12 who do not want Gonzaga. Either they don't want them right now or they do not want them at all. Those people are going to use different sources, different reporters to get their side of the story out. This is what happened throughout the Pac-12 conversation. It was a complete mess. I felt for people who were very emotionally invested. I was also emotionally invested and feel a little sick still thinking about the conference that I grew up watching disintegrating before our very eyes in schools like Oregon State and Washington State suffering the way that, they're, that they kind of did throughout this process. But you saw certain reporters saying certain things, saying, you know, the, the Pac-12 is still very confident they'll stay together. Other sources saying, hey, this thing's falling apart. And people were like, who do we, who do we believe? Which reporter should we follow? And it kind of created dividing lines in some ways of people who really wanted the conference to stay together were like, well, so-and-so reporter is right. And people who were kind of more like, hey, I'm ready for you know us to go to the Big Ten or whatever are more likely to be like, well, look what this reporter is saying. And that's all by design. And it's going to happen here again. It already is. Because sources indicated to Matt Norlander that there is pushback and caution from some Big 12 presidents and ADs. And Norlander did say there are some who are all in and support it. And again, this shouldn't be a surprise. If it was anonymous, unanimous, excuse me, if everybody was interested in adding Gonzaga, it probably would have already happened. So the fact that there are dissenters shouldn't be a shock. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody listening to the show. Of course, there are people in the Big 12 who don't want Gonzaga there. The reasonings right now are financial in nature. And basically, here's, here's a quote. This is a direct quote from a, a tweet from Matt Nolander. It says, from what I've been told, Big 12 leaders had a laundry list of questions for Yormark last week and tasked him with bringing those back to Gonzaga. With that, I think there's still some terms and negotiating points that Gonzaga might not be thrilled with that could cause to pause and evaluate. And this makes sense to me. As much as you know, there's kind of posturing on both sides here. It makes sense that there are schools in the Big 12 who say, we want answers to all these questions before we just go ahead and vote this in. And I think the big argument that we're seeing from sides right now, people who are not necessarily gung-ho about adding Gonzaga right away, is why now? And to be perfectly honest, that is a valid argument for them to make. Because Gonzaga's leverage is pretty much gone. Gonzaga cannot leverage the Big 12 against the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. Gonzaga is probably a, a likely candidate to get invited into some kind of Pac-2 Mountain West reverse merger where the Mountain West schools join the Pac-12. They kind of keep the same branding and they just have a conference with Washington State, Oregon State, and, and the Mountain West. Gonzaga getting invited into that conference is realistic. But it's not a leverage that they can use over the Big 12 because everybody knows they would prefer the Big 12. If the Big East were legitimately interested, that would be leverage Gonzaga has. 
My understanding is that they are not. Could that change? Of course, of course that could change. But right now it doesn't look like the case. So what we have here is we have people in the Big 12, presidents and ADs who are saying, why would we invite Gonzaga right now? Why don't we just wait it out? If Gonzaga's already said they're willing to take less money to join our conference, let's just wait until they're willing to take even less. Is it kind of a crappy situation to be put in? Sure. Is it valid considering Gonzaga's situation right now and their likely desperation to get out of the WCC because of their fear of an impending breakoff where the power conferences have their own NCAA tournament and Gonzaga gets left behind? Yeah, I think that's more or less the situation that we have. Norlander reported that the Big 12 does not have 75% of the vote. I'm inclined to think that's probably true, but I think that that's a bit of a misleading thing to report. I don't know that anybody knows that. I think that dissenting people, people at, you know, cough, cough, West Virginia, cough, cough, BYU, probably are saying, hey, yeah, they don't have the votes because they don't want this to happen and they want to put some cold water on it. Again, you got to take some of that stuff you see with a grain of salt. A few quotes that Norlander posted was from sources that said a grievous error to push this through right now. And another source that says it makes no sense to do this right now. And I think people saw these quotes and thought, well, it's not going to happen. Keep in mind, those two people might a be from the same school, b be from two different schools. Doesn't matter if nine other people are interested. If 10 other people are interested, they can scream and shout and say, no, this doesn't make sense. We don't want it right now, but it doesn't mean that Gonzaga doesn't have the votes. It doesn't mean that. So I think that's worth really keeping an eye on in this conversation, because what's going to happen over the next two weeks, two months, two years, whatever it may be, is that we're going to see both sides. We're going to see some reporters who are connected closely, more closely connected to your mark, who are going to be saying positive things about Gonzaga, making this seem like it's imminent, talking about how the money makes sense, how the addition makes sense. And we're going to see some other reporters with different sources saying the exact opposite. It's going to continue to happen. Take your blood pressure medication if that's what you need, but it is going to be a bumpy road for the next however long until this happens. And I kind of expect it to continue to yin and yang the way that it already has in the first couple of days of this conversation being relitigated in the media. Well, one thing we have seen from Big 12 fans on social media, and it's kind of been a conversation around Gonzaga as a realignment topic for many years now, is this idea that Gonzaga falls off a cliff when Mark Few leaves. I'm here to provide some insurance, not just for Gonzaga fans, but for anybody else who might be listening to the show, that that's not something that I think needs to be worried about. We're going to talk about that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on all sorts of stuff like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking out the show on YouTube. And those of you who are everyday listeners, we're going to get back to our player preview series on Friday and back into next week. But we got to keep up with this Big 12 conversation as it ebbs and flows right now. So we're going to continue to talk about that on today's show. But rest assured, we got more player previews coming your way soon. Right now, I want to talk about a conversation that is a frequent talking point during Gonzaga realignment conversations. 
And it's this idea that Gonzaga is like singularly held up by Mark Few, that he is the only reason this program has had the success that they have had, that he is the pillar, the building block, and that when he leaves, it just crumbles. I have seen people refer to Gonzaga as the next DePaul, which is a frighteningly insulting insinuation for Gonzaga that they would just completely disappear out of the lithosphere and be a a non-entity as a men's basketball program as soon as Mark Few is gone. It is dramatic. It is unfounded. It is built in a lack of understanding and education about Gonzaga basketball's program. And we're going to kind of litigate a little bit about why. For starters, the first point about this Mark Few is not taking another job. Most people, I think, have accepted that by now. There was 10 to 12 years worth of rumors about Mark Few taking a job at Oregon, taking the job at Indiana, taking the job at so-and-so place. Uh, and some of them were rumors. Some of them were legitimate offers that he turned down. Mark Few's not going anywhere. He will coach at Gonzaga until he retires. The question, of course, is when that happens. But Mark Few is not 75. He's not even 68. Mark Few is 60. For reference, Tom Izzo is 68. He also just recently announced that he basically has no intention of retiring anytime soon. Coach K was 74 when he retired. Jim Laranega, the head coach at Miami, just led them to -to back-to-back elite eight appearances. He's 74. Rick Pitino just took a new job back in the Big East. He's 71. Roy Williams was 71 when he retired. Leonard Hamilton, the head coach at Florida State, 75. Yes, there are some coaches retiring a little bit earlier. Yes, There being some Hall of Fame coaches who are coaching into their 70s doesn't necessarily automatically mean that Mark Few is going to coach into his 70s. But I don't have any indication that Mark Few is just going to be done anytime soon. And him pushing hard for this team to get in the Big 12 is kind of a good proof of that. I think that Mark Few has another 10 years as the head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, at least. Could I be wrong? Of course. Of course. He might have every intention of being 10 years and something changes that, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a change of heart, who knows? But right now, there's not really any indication that the Mark Few era at Gonzaga is ending anytime soon. So that alone should kind of push away those concerns that, that you know, keyboard warriors are showing on, on social media about Gonzaga. Beyond that, the infrastructure that Gonzaga has built, we talked about Mark Few being like the pillar that's holding it all up. There is so much more holding up Gonzaga basketball's program than just Mark Few. There always has been. The facilities are top-notch. Yes, the kennel is smaller than other arenas, smaller than other Big 12 arenas. Maybe that changes someday. Maybe it doesn't. Cameron Indoor is not very big either at Duke. We'll talk a little bit more about Duke later, but Gonzaga's facilities are elite. Their practice facility is new. Their Volcar Center that they built recently uh, for student-athletes is fantastic. Like This is not a school that lacks from a facility perspective compared to other schools. Yes, football schools have, you know, more big, bigger things because they have, you know, they have more student athletes. They have these football programs. But from a men's basketball perspective, the facilities that Gonzaga operates with are top notch. Beyond that, recruiting has not been a solo few operation. The Gonzaga Bulldogs have created tremendous international pipelines and domestic pipelines to the point where they are able to to add talent from multiple different sources. Their ability to navigate the transfer portal has been, they've been doing it for well before most other programs got involved. Gonzaga's transfer additions from 10, 12 years ago 
really have been notable. And I mean, Dan Dickow was a transfer from 20 years ago that, of course, is uh, one of Gonzaga's first real All-Americans, one of their first real superstars in the Mark Few era. Gonzaga has navigated the transfer portal better than almost any program in college basketball. They have navigated the international recruiting market more than any other program in college basketball. And that's not just Mark Few. It's not just him. I know a lot of people have said that a lot of that had to do with Tommy Lloyd, and they're not wrong. Tommy Lloyd had to do a lot with that. And Tommy Lloyd's departure is a, a sting for Gonzaga because the idea that, oh, Tommy Lloyd will replace Mark Few and things will just keep humming along was correct. We have a lot of proof of that because of how Tommy Lloyd has done at Arizona the last couple of years. And I think the the idea that Mark Few won't be able, they won't be able to replace Mark Few with somebody who can coach at a similar level is just not true. Look at the success of Gonzaga's coaching tree. Tommy Lloyd is the most recent example and the longest tenured example from his time at Gonzaga. But Leon Rice has Boise State playing the best basketball they've ever played in school history. Like there is a, tr a, a track record of coaches leaving Gonzaga and having serious success at other places. So to me, if Mark Few lasts another 10 years, that would mean that Brian Michelson has been an assistant coach at Gonzaga for about as long as Tommy Lloyd was. Is he going to be the next Tommy Lloyd? Is he going to be as successful as we've seen from Tommy? It's not a guarantee, but I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. I'm not. If B Mike gets another 10 years working under Mark Few before Mark Few retires, there's just no concern for me, especially if Gonzaga is in the Big 12 by then. At that point, they're not having to recruit against the WCC, which is something they've had to do historically. Their facilities will probably get an even bigger upgrade because they're in the Big 12. They're making more money. If Mark Few moves this team into the Big 12, coaches them in the Big 12 for six, eight, 12 years, and then leaves, the idea that Gonzaga would then crumble is ludicrous to me. It's just ludicrous. It just does not seem likely. And I'll say this, and people can get mad about it if they want, but Gonzaga is a lot more like Duke than they are like DePaul. And there are differences between Gonzaga and Duke. They are not Duke, but they sure as heck aren't DePaul either. Gonzaga's made the NCAA tournament for over 20 consecutive seasons. They have the longest current 16, Sweet 16 streak in the entire country. And people say, oh, it's only because they've been getting one seeds. They haven't gotten one seed most of those years. They've only gotten one seed a few of those years. The Sweet 16 streak included them being an 11 seed. It's included them being a four seed. Like it's included them being outside of just the one seed. Oh, you play a 16 seed, you play an eight seed, you make the sweet 16, then you lose. That happened once, but that's about it. Like this is not a team that has really struggled to make the sweet 16, despite, you know, not necessarily just being a top seed every single year. Gonzaga has multiple, multiple players in the NBA. They have double digit players and there's more coming every single year. They've proven that their development Player development in this program is top-notch. It's not just the Jalen Suggs and the Chet Holmgren's making the NBA. Julian Strother was barely a top-60 prospect. He becomes a first-round pick. Corey Kispert was a, not even a top-100 prospect in his recruiting class. He got picked 15th. Nobody knew who Rui Hachimura was when he came to Gonzaga. He was a lottery pick. Like, their development is top-notch. And that's not just Mark Few either. That's the assistant coaches. That's the strength and conditioning staff. That's the athletic trainers. That's the facilities. All of that stuff is leading to Gonzaga's success. Looking more at the Gonzaga-Duke comparison, undergrad enrollment, Gonzaga's just over 5,000, Duke's just under 7,000. Not exactly the same. No, Duke has more. Not a tremendous difference either. Gonzaga also has an 86% increase since 1999. That's still going up, mind you. 
Spokane, as a city, this small market that Gonzaga's in, which people think really hampers them from a recruiting perspective, 230,000 people in Spokane. Durham, North Carolina, where Duke is, 285,000. Not a big difference. Not a big difference. Of course, the Kennel 6,000-seat uh, arena, Cameron Indoor, 9,300. Again, Duke is more. Durham is more. Duke has more students. I'm not saying Gonzaga is Duke, but they're a heck of a lot closer to Duke than they are to DePaul. Duke also made four Final Fours before they won their first NCAA championship. And their entire legacy was built by one coach. Mike Krzyzewski did it for Duke. Yeah, they won a bunch more championships than Gonzaga has. But that Markview's not done either. And nobody, nobody questioned that Duke would fall off with Mike Krzyzewski gone. There was some concern that they might not be the premier elite elite, but nobody compared Duke to DePaul. Nobody made those kind of conversations around Duke when Krzyzewski left. And now John Shire already has this program as a potentially number one overall team on the preseason rankings this year. Again, if Mark Few were to leave while Gonzaga was still in the WCC, I could somewhat understand some of these concerns a little bit. But if Gonzaga gets in the Big 12 and people worry, oh, Mark Few is going to leave and now the program's going to tank, I just don't see it. It's really hard for me to look at what this program has built what resources they have, how their facilities have grown, how the fan base has grown, how the TV market has grown, and to believe that this program would, would take any kind of dive uh, without Mark Few at the helm. Again, they'll be different. Maybe it will be a little bit worse, but the idea that they are not sustainable without Coach Few is just wrong. It's just wrong. We got a pair of recruiting updates. We also got a look at some NBA preseason debuts for Julian Strother and Chet Holmgren and some more all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You wanna be 100% certain that you have access to the best, most qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs and then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Because honestly, hiring the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. Once again, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, rounding out the show today, moving on from our conversations about the Big 12, about Mark Few and his future at Gonzaga to instead hit, hit you with a couple recruiting updates, a couple NBA Zag updates, and a Courtney Vandersloot update. Bing, bang, boom. Then we're out the door. We'll start with Trent Perry, the four-star prospect out of Studio City, California, Harvard-Westlake High School. He has announced that he's going to make his college announcement on Friday. Now, Trent Perry listed a top six very recently. That top six was Gonzaga, Colorado, TCU, Stanford, USC, and Oregon. Trent Perry has visited five of the six schools on his top six, with Gonzaga being the lone exception. The main reason for that is that Gonzaga did not offer Trent Perry until very recently. I think they officially made the offer to him less than two calendar weeks ago, or roughly two calendar weeks ago. So right now, Gonzaga is not considered the front runner, not even close. USC is considered the front runner. 
24-7 is giving USC 100% odds on their crystal ball. Uh, on three, I think, has USC as overwhelming favorites as well. For my money, I would say that it's probably going to be USC for Trent Perry. It is worth pointing out, though, that Gonzaga jumping in late and making an offer, and then Trent Perry very quickly after getting that offer, revealing his top six, including Gonzaga on it, and then also making an announcement that he is going to make an announcement is kind of eerily similar to what happened with Ben Gregg three years ago. Now, Ben Gregg had family ties to Spokane. He had family ties to Gonzaga specifically. It felt like he was much more likely to commit to Gonzaga, but Ben Gregg was a four-star prospect, a borderline top 100 prospect, somewhat similar to Trent Perry. Some um, media outlets have Trent Perry closer to the top 50, top 40. Uh, So he's probably a higher regarded prospect than Ben was at the time. But There are some players who, once they get an offer from a school that they really want to go to, that they shut it down from there. I do think it's more likely that Trent would have come to campus had he wanted to commit to Gonzaga. And I am still, if if you were giving me betting odds on this or, you know, demanding I make a prediction, I would predict USC is what we hear from him on Friday. But I think that some people have said, oh, well, there's no way it's going to be Gonzaga. And I've seen situations like this happen before where a school swoops in at the end, makes an offer last minute, the school, the, the player decides, hey, that's a better program than the other players on uh, the other teams on this list. And I'm going to choose to go there sight unseen. Not putting super high odds on it, but just saying, man, it's a possibility. Zoom Diallo, the other player, Gonzaga, the other guard, I should say, that Gonzaga is heavily pursuing in the class of 2024, has announced that a commitment is coming soon, which is good news because we have been waiting for a really long time to find out what is going on with Zoom Diallo. Now, the bad news is that this announcement was kind of on the heels of him announcing he's also going to take a second visit to Arizona. Probably puts Tommy Lloyd and the Wildcats in the lead here for Zoom Diallo. Again, it's just speculation. We don't know until we know. Players have changed their minds the day of. Multiple players have held an announcement, held up a hat, and switched before they even got to campus. So this thing is not over. Far, far from it. But it does sound like Zoom Diallo is planning to take another visit to Arizona. He's planning to make his announcement soon. He's also planning to take a visit to Alabama. Does that mean Gonzaga's out? Not necessarily. Gonzaga might be the front runner right now, and Alabama and Arizona have to convince him otherwise. It's totally possible that's the case. Again, remember when Ryan Nempard was an absolute lock to transfer to Arizona until one day he wasn't, and he came to Gonzaga. If Mark Few steals another guy from Tommy Lloyd, man, that's going to make that rivalry even stronger. On the same token, Zoom Diallo has felt like a zag for many years. And if Tommy Lloyd in Arizona can land him, that's going to have a similar adverse effect for the zags. Either way, two key announcements coming soon for Gonzaga in the class of 2024. Moving on to close out the show today, talking about some NBA zags and some updates with them. Malachi Smith was waived by the Portland Trailblazers earlier this week. This is not a surprise For the record, Malachi Smith was one of multiple players signed to an Exhibit 10 deal. He was invited to Gonzaga's training camp, or excuse me, to Portland's training camp. Uh, They had 22 players in camp. They had to cut the roster down to 15. It was never particularly likely that Malachi Smith would be among those players. So this is not a surprise whatsoever. It most likely means that Malachi Smith will still play for the Rip City Remix, the new Portland Trailblazers G League affiliate who plays their home games at the Child Center, the home of the University of Portland Pilots in Portland. So nothing really has changed for Malachi Smith. He's still going to be a G League player. He's still going to be affiliated with the Portland Trailblazers. And perhaps through, you know, maybe multiple injuries, a strong performance in the G League, some combination of those things, we will end up seeing Malachi on a, in a Blazers uniform on the NBA roster at some point. But it does look like, as expected, he will begin his professional basketball career as a member of the Rip City Remix in Portland.
couple big debuts to discuss here. Chet Holmgren made his NBA preseason debut against Victor Wembignana and the San Antonio Spurs. And Chet cooked, folks, 16 minutes. That's it. He only played in the first half. In the first half of this game against, you know, a future NBA MVP, a future NBA Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Victor Wembignana. Chet Holmgren, 21 points, nine boards, one assist and one block, 21 and nine in 16 minutes. Chet was absolutely in his bag all night long. Seven of 10 from the field, two of two from deep, five of seven from the free throw line. He was hitting from deep. He was putting the ball on the deck. He was, he was, he was all over the place. He looked absolutely fantastic. And the Chet Holmgren, San Antonio, or the Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembignana, Oklahoma City, San Antonio Spurs rivalry is going to be epic for the next 5, 10, 15 years between these two programs. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to start with what should be a really fun rookie of the year race between Chet, between Victor, between Scoot Henderson of the Portland Trailblazers. It's going to be an absolute, absolute blast to watch these guys. And Chet proved exactly why he is that guy in this performance. Likewise, Julian Strother, excellent in his preseason debut for the Denver Nuggets. 21 points, uh, excuse me, 21 minutes, but he had 20 points, five boards, and three assists. 20 and five in just 21 minutes of action, eight of 12 from the field, four of seven from downtown. He moved super well without the basketball. He looked good defensively. Denver Nuggets reporters and media members were talking, were raving about his maturity, uh, his decision-making, his movement without the basketball. They raved about his floater, all things we could have told him about Julian Strother before the season started, but uh, really nice to see him have that level of performance. And then finally, Courtney Vandersloot in the WNBA Finals. I am recording this before Game 2 between the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty, so by the time you are listening to this, Game 2 has happened. Uh, Courtney had 10 points and 6 assists in Game 1, which was a loss by the Liberty to the Las Vegas Aces. For the regular season, Courtney averaged 10.5 points, 8.1 assists. Uh, in the playoffs, she averaged nine and a half points and 6.7 assists. Uh, still looking for an opportunity to, again, potentially by the time you're listening to this, even the series against Las Vegas and put New York in a chance to win what would be Courtney's second WNBA championship. Uh, she's also second in WNBA history in all-time assists, 2,701 assists as I'm recording this right now. That is 533 assists away from the all-time leader, Sue Bird, who has retired, meaning Courtney knows exactly how many assists she needs to get in order to pass Sue Bird for the all-time leader in assists. Her career average is 6.8 assists per game. It would take her 79 games, which is about two and a half seasons, at that average in order to get to Sue Bird's record. However, over the last seven seasons, Courtney has averaged 8.3 assists per game. Over seven years, Courtney has averaged 8.3 assists per game. If she keeps that average, it will take her just under two seasons, about 64 games, to get to Sue Bird's record. All this to say... It's looking pretty good. It's looking like there's going to be a reality where Gonzaga has the all-time NBA assist leader in John Stockton and the all-time WNBA assist leader in Courtney Vandersloot. And as I've talked about before, David Stockton is climbing up the list for the G League's all-time assist leader as well. Continue to think that an opportunity for Gonzaga to be first all-time in NBA, WNBA, and G League assists would be one of the coolest things uh, in the school's history. And I'm hopeful that we get to be able to have that as a reality in the not-too-distant future. That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners as well. You know who you are. You're also on our Discord channel. And if you're not, go ahead and find that link in the show notes. Click it. It's free. We're talking Zags 24-7. All sorts of fun stuff going on there. Over 100 people in the channel right now. Uh, Again, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with our season preview series on Friday to close out the week. 
And of course, as always, go Zags.